All right, guys, we are back with another edition of INT's The Podcast. It's not that serious. Joined by my two co-hosts today, King and Big Ron. What's going on, guys? How's it going, man? What's going on, man? Nothing much, nothing much. Yeah, we're going to look forward to a exciting week of football. I mean, it's not the biggest slate of games, but, you know, as last week proved, that don't really matter sometimes. A lot of drama can come from any week. Um, but, you know, we're going to start off. Talking about some of the big games, Miami A and M, Texas A, I mean uh, Texas A and M, trying to bounce back. We got BYU and Oregon, BYU trying to prove that for real. And then we got Mississippi State and LSU, which is an intriguing matchup in SEC. But we're gonna kick things off though with Miami and A and M. Uh, what are some of you guys' thoughts about that game and what to look forward to? Um, I have a, a couple of players to watch from that game. When it comes to A and M, I have a. Uh, the running back, uh, Devin Ashane, I think is how you say his name. He's a heck of an athlete, has legit track speed. But so far this year, he's only averaging uh, just under four yards a carry and has only caught two passes out the backfield. Yep. I think he's very underutilized in A&M's offense. And I think he's also one of those few college players that has a, uh, has a chance to be a better pro than he is in the NFL just because I don't think anybody knows how to use him. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, he was also the guy who uh, gave them their only score in the second half on their kick return. There you go. <laughs> um, and as for Miami, I have a player to watch is their, their safety, James Williams. Okay. Six foot five, 224 pounds, athletic freak. Um, so far this year, he has one interception, eight tackles, but, uh, I have a feeling we're going to hear his name called a couple times Saturday. I don't know if y'all saw, but uh, A&M uh, announced Max Johnson as going to be their starter. Yeah, I did see that. And just knowing him from his LSU days, he tends to hold on to the ball an extremely long amount of time. <laughs> so I figured James Williams might either lurk a pass from him or get into the backfield and make a couple sacks. Okay. All right, what are your thoughts, uh, King? Um, well, I I will say this. As far as the Shane, super talented kid, and I do agree with you. I don't think they know how to utilize him. Uh, but my bigger questions arise on the defensive side of the ball for A&L. Who are their playmakers? You know, so far in the season, I believe A&M has a total of four sacks over two games. And against the the quality of the competition they face, that that seems a bit low. Uh, but the other big question is: you have two turnovers in two games of football, one pick, one forced fumble, and recovered fumble. That's not much. So against a team like Miami, how are you going to get stops? How are you going to get guys, you know, teams off the field if you can't get that sack on second down? You can't get those tackles for loss on first down to set up those longer third downs. So it's not such easy conversions. And then as big run talked about on the offensive side of the ball, you have a brand new quarterback that's getting placed today. I mean, Max Johnson, how many reps did he actually have so far this season? Uh, I'm not sure if he even played against um, Appalachian state. I'm not, I don't think he, he got in. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's gotten in the game yet. So, you know, and to me, the news just broke this, what, maybe like yesterday? Too, so. yeah. yeah, you know, let's say at most Thursday. Um, so maybe he's been getting some of the st- the reps this week in practice, but it couldn't have been that many. So, it's, see, you know, is it a rush decision? Is this a rash decision by Jimbo of saying, hey, we got to make a change at quarterback now because he just believes in Max? Or does he just think he needs to try to salvage the season? I think that's a bit early, but yeah, Max is—he's a game manager at best. Um, you know, like I said, I've watched him for a couple of years at LSU. Now his signature win against is, is of course, against A and M, but uh, now he's going to be playing for them. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be interesting. I have a lot of questions. I hope to get answered by watching A and M this week. Yeah, and I agree. That was a big thing with me. Just, just how will Max Johnson look in his first start since playing at LSU? I think you guys mentioned um, a Shane earlier, but I also think Adia Smith, in particular Evan Stewart, needs to step up. Stewart is one of their, their um, highly talented five stars they brought in. 
very, very talented guy. Track like legit track speed. I want to know if they're going to try to like do anything to get him involved in the offense this game. And on defense, you know, A and M they have they brought in five. I mean, sorry, four five star defensive linemen last year. Uh, you have to figure one of those guys, at least one of those guys, will step up and become a player for him. Will it be Walt, you know, Walter Nolan, who was, you know, arguably the best or the second best player in the country, depending on who you ask, you know? Would it be um, Shamar Stewart? You know, like, I feel like they have so much talent on that, on that D line, so much young talent. I feel like at this point, if you're AM, just put the freshman in, just let them wreak havoc and see what you got. As for Miami, though, um, I am looking forward to seeing what, what, what Tyler Van Dyke does. He had a great season last year after Jerry King, uh, after replacing Jerry King in the middle of the season. Um, they were two and four. He took over. They went, they won five of the last six games. The bowl game was canceled due to COVID. But the last season, Tyler Van Dyke, 2,900 passing yards, 25 TDs, so only six interceptions. He's looking pretty good so far this year. On defense, run brought up already. James Williams. You got you got shades of Sean Teller, you know, with, with that kid. Very big, very athletic, you know, can hit. The guy can do it all at safety. They also have a big guy, Leonard Teller, five-star D-tackle, also a sophomore. You know, so far this season, he had to sack already to his name. So Miami, you know, with uh, Mario Cristobal, you know, his first season, he brought in an all-star defensive coordinator staff with Kevin Steele and Charlie Strong sharing the duties. It's going to be interesting. I, I honestly think you know, Miami is a team that, you know, I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode because, as we talked about it um, a couple of days ago, they haven't really been the Miami of old since Coach Coker, you know, w- was there. So, yeah, so it's interesting to see, you know, how they will fare. But um, they have the talent, you know, they have the coaching staff. I think Chris Ball might be a good hire. You know, he's the uh, Hurricane alum. I think he's from Miami. So, it's going to be interesting. It should be an interesting game. That is a 9 o'clock Eastern time kickoff. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 8 o'clock local time. Yeah, so uh, one, one of the late games, one of the primetime games, uh, well, the primetime game. So it should have a lot of eyeballs on that game. And I would just like to add one more thing. If you were an A&M player, coach, booster, alum, are you feeling disrespected that college game day is skipping – College Station to go to Appalachian State this week. I, I mean, you can't feel disrespected. You lost to Appalachian State. <clears throat> that, that's on you. This is true. Yeah, and this the crazy thing to me is like they're not even going for like a big game. It's Appalachian State and Troy. Exactly. So I would feel disrespected, but since it's A and M, I think it's hilarious. And, and then you know, and then I mean, where was game they going to go to? You know, you couldn't go to that game, and you couldn't go to the next game we're going to talk about, which, which is BYU and Oregon, because well. Oregon right. got manhandled by Georgia. Um, they do find themselves back in the polls though, at, at number 25, which I found was interesting because, as mentioned a couple of days ago, you get blown up by Georgia and you fall out of the rankings, but then you beat Washington, and all of a sudden you're good enough to be ranked again. Uh, I don't know how that logic works, but it's early in the season. The polls are still wonky. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any um, thoughts on this game coming well, up? Well, I'll, I'll go first with Oregon. Um I'm wondering who's going to emerge to be their guy at running back. Because so far this season, they have they have four running backs have touched the football at least 11 times. No one has more than 13 wow. carries. You know, they're, they're obviously testing a lot of people out. And, you know, I know teams believe in running back by committee, but that seems a bit extreme to me. I think they don't think they have a guy yet. And so I'm wondering, will it be Dollars? Will it be Irving? Or will it be Mr. Caldwell? Who is going to be the running back for Oregon? Because they're not running the football very well. And I know it's the Pac-12. It's, they're airing it out a ton on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm surprised to, uh, to hear Oregon even ran the ball that many times so far this year. Yeah, they're running the football quite a bit. It's just... You know, they have 79 carry, total carries in the season to 79, 78 pass attempts. So they have a nice balance, but no one's actually emerging. So I'm wondering, you know, they're going to have to run the ball against BYU. You know, it it's not going to be a super easy game. I think this game is taking place in Eugene. So I'm yeah, expecting yeah. them. I'm expecting them to show up, be loud, cause some mayhem. 
But I, I just I have those questions. Who is going to be the guy for uh, Oregon this year? And as far as BYU, I, you know, BYU had a really tough schedule preseason. And, you know, those Oregon hurts them. Notre Dame's performances have hurt them. So if BYU wants to crack the playoffs, I think they have to win this game big. Yeah. I wouldn't say big, but I do think they have to win this game. Well, honestly, if they ought to make the playoffs anyway, they have to win out. I don't think they can go. No. Um, but I do think they're a dark horse, though. Yes. All right, Ron, you got any thoughts? Yeah, I got a couple of notes about uh, Oregon's, a uh, couple of Oregon players on defense. Okay. So, so far this year, like, just watching them play and mostly watching them against Georgia. I didn't, I didn't watch Eastern Washington. There was no sense watching that. Yeah. But, uh. Against Georgia, they were getting attacked in space, like out in space. Like Georgia was just spreading them out, and everybody they threw to seemed like they were wide open. Um, you know, normally I kind of blame the secondary on that, but Oregon has two really good linebackers. Uh, Justin Flo, he's a pretty uh, highly regarded NFL prospect, and then Noah Sewell, who, who's the brother of uh, Detroit Lions left tackle uh, Panay Sewell. Um, he's he's a big kid too, and they just both need to play better. And I agree. Co- and coaches need to get them in, in the right spots to help make plays. I agree. I agree. And I think uh, in that first game against Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, Jamal Hill, the safety, was the lead tackle. You know, what we always say if your safety is the lead tackle, then something's probably going wrong, especially yeah. when that safety is playing deep. Uh, yeah, you you are correct because you know just looking at the numbers right now, you know, flow. Flo didn't do much against Georgia the week before. I mean, now he's taking over the spot of a leading tackler. But, you know, he he was quiet against Georgia. In- what, do, what do we say? Big players make big plays in big-time games. Yeah. It's he didn't. Yeah. 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 I wonder. Yeah. And, uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was, gonna, I was just going to throw in my, my notes for BYU. I really – Really don't have a certain player to watch with BYU. I just worry about them, uh, you know, coming off a big double overtime, emotional type win versus Baylor. You know that they don't have a letdown. You know it's yeah. it's easy it's easy to get up for a game, but once you get punched in the mouth, all the all the real uh, realness starts. <laughs> it's I, yeah. I think BYU is gonna have to come out attacking and just looking at it. Based off the way Flo played week one against Georgia, if I'm BYU, I'm thinking about coming out and playing a little smash mouth football. You know, it, it, that would just be what I would think. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but that's what I would attack. Yeah, and uh, I mean, BYU's known for running the ball a lot. So, yeah, you're right. I yeah. can see that being, being a key. Um, for me, I'm like on, on the BYU side of things, I'm looking at that defense. Uh, it gets better. They had four sacks. Oregon did not protect the passer very well against Georgia. You know, their line just did not play, you know, perform well. Granted, this is Georgia, or, you know, probably the best team in the country. But, um, yeah, BYU against, you know, Baylor, top 10 team, gets four sacks. That's impressive. Uh, also, I'm kind of intrigued about the red freshman receiver, Chase Roberts, had a big game against Baylor, eight catches yeah. for 122. He looked really Especially- good. Yeah, um, plays again the right way. Um, so <laughs> any player, definitely, definitely, definitely. You know, let's play type of kid. He, you know, he, um, you know, but in all in all seriousness, you know, great performance by him. I think uh, if this you know game against Baylor is any indication of his future, then he has the bright future ahead of him. Um, dare I say Cooper Cup comparisons? Oh. Sorry. <laughs> of course, it would be Cooper. Yeah, of course. But no, seriously, he's, um, you know, um, performed well against Baylor, and we'll see how he. Um, yeah, he, he, he was the one player, like watching that game, he was the one player on offense that stood out for me. Yeah, yeah. He really did flash. He flashed. And then BYU's defense did play really well. They basically made baylor a complete running team in the second half i don't even know if they attempted five passes in the second half no yeah no they 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 suffocated them yeah and with like with oregon for me though i'm uh interested in seeing what bo Dix does 
Um, I mean, we we saw him for like 16 years in the SEC. Um, at least. Yeah, at least 16 years. And, you know, now he's in Oregon with new coach Dan Landing, you know, the the former Georgia defensive coordinator, which is also an intriguing uh, point for me as well. Like, I'm curious to see how that defense progressed throughout the year under Dan Landing, a great defensive mind. Um, so we will see, you know, how that translates as the season goes on. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like more than anything, this game is just important for Oregon to just kind of get back that respect that they lost. Um, you know, getting losing to Georgia is nothing to be embarrassed about. Losing in a manner that they lost to, that is. So, um, will Oregon bounce back? Um, they are the favorites this game. So, we shall see what, you know, what's ahead uh, for Oregon and BYU. Okay. So, they be head to the game of the week. <laughs> the game of the week. I don't know if it's here the game of the week, but it's our it's game of the week. It's the pers- personal versus, favorites. Yeah, Mississippi State versus LSU. Um, Mississippi State comes in two and zero. Oh, LSU, you know, one and one after that game against Florida State, which we discussed at nauseum um, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, big game for both teams. More, more importantly, big games because of how the schedule in the SEC sets up. Um, I feel that, you know, it's one of those games where, like, if you win this game, it can kind of, you know, springboard you to a good season. Um, for Mississippi State case, good season would be, like, eight wins, nine wins, which um be tough, but it's feasible. And LSU, kind of the same thing. You know, if you win this game, you're kind of setting yourself up for, for a pretty good season because the schedule doesn't really get any easier after this. Um, if you lose it, you know, you're behind the eight ball. Um, I do feel that kind of looking ahead, like way ahead right now, skipping, um, that that in, in SEC West, you know, teams two through six, you know, Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas, A&M, I feel that that can go you, – you can rearrange that order any way you want to, and I would not be surprised by it, you know. So that's why this game is so important, you know, because there's just a log jam in the middle, and we're going to see who can start to create that separation. Uh, any thoughts on this game run? Um, I know you got a lot to say about LSU. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'll take the LSU takes, and uh, I'll let you roll with the uh, Mississippi State. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I mean, so the biggest the biggest X factor for LSU uh, is going to be the quarterback Jaden Daniels. He's completing seventy seven point eight percent of his passes so far this year. Five touchdowns, no interceptions, with 132 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And it's not basically in two games, basically in about five and a half quarters because he was pulled very early in the Southern game because that game got out of hand quick. But uh, LSU has to do better running the ball with the running backs. Hopefully uh, John Emery coming back this week finally enrolled in school, I guess, um, <laughs> can finally take the lead role in the backfield. Um, Armani Goodwin has been great for us, averaging about six yards a carry, but he's about five foot eight, 195 pounds. He's more of a change of pace back, in my opinion. Um, LSU's got to get the ball to the, to the wide receivers. Uh, Kayshawn Butte, Malik Neighbors, Jack Besh, all very good playmakers. And although uh, Daniels is completing that high percentage of passes, uh, LSU is only averaging about 7.7 yards per reception, which is pretty low. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Then I get the ball downfield. Not at all. <laughs> um, but with all that said, I think that all revolves around our offensive line play. They just have to play better. Um, we have a we have a true freshman starting at left tackle, Will Campbell, who's going to be a stud. Like if you just look at him, just think Andrew Woodworth. He's he's going to play in the NFL for ten plus years. Um, Cameron Wire needs to step up. Um, these these O linemen they got they got to be the ones to create these running lanes for the running back and give time for Daniel to get uh to get the ball to the wide receivers because the receivers will eventually get open. But when he's only got three seconds to pass, and he's a heck of an athlete himself, why well, sit back there and take the sack when he can take off running? Right. And then on, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, this game's going to come down to uh, if we can get pressure on Mississippi State quarterback by only rushing four. Exactly. Uh, you need B.J. Ogilari to step up. 
We need the human missile himself, Ollie Gay, to come back and play. I mean, that that uh targeting penalty he had against that was the most egregious targeting I've seen since they implemented that rule. If you need to show an example of targeting, that is exactly what they need to show every time. Is the perfect definition (laughs) of targeting. (laughs) Yeah, he 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 broke that rule. So we need them to rush. I mean, we we know it's going to happen. We know Mike Leach is going to come out, line the boys up, let them throw it fifty times. Um, it's, it's just what's going to happen. Um, Colby Richardson had a little injury against uh, Southern, but uh, he's our, one of our starting cornerbacks. He'll be fine to play. And uh, we have Ohio, Ohio State transfer Seven Banks coming back from a hip injury um, that he suffered at Ohio State late in the year last year. I think he missed their last three games. Um, but he should be coming back this week and uh, working his way into the rotation, which should be a big help with Mississippi State passing the ball. Um, and then I just have one one other note on special teams. And uh, basically, I hope they don't muff any punts or have any kicks blocked. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I'll keep mine very brief because I know the two homers. You know, <laughs> I am not a homer. <laughs> but, however, I will say this. You know, LSU, like you said, the pass rush has to get home. I mean, it's unfortunate Mason Smith obviously won't be in the game. But, you know, this is a game when they would absolutely need his help getting to that quarterback cause just wreaking havoc in the middle of that defense. But my question is, who are the linebackers for LSU? Yeah. That's a very good question. I mean, Micah Baskerfield's one. He's been there for a few years. I think he's from Evangel, uh, actually, but he, I don't know. He he had a I think he had an interception against Southern. He mm-hmm. he, he shows out and get in games against lesser competition, and then and when we get into the uh, SEC play, he kind of disappears. He drinks. Um, we got Mike Jones from who? Who exactly? Got him <laughs> from Clemson a couple of years ago. He transferred in. He's supposedly a team captain. I rarely see him on the field. I don't know what's up with that. Um, but, yeah, we have big question marks at linebacker. All right. And then my question for Mississippi State is, who are the playmakers on the defensive side of the ball? Because we know look, the offense, the receivers are going to make their plays. Like like Big Run said, th- look, they're going to throw the ball 50, 60 times this week. You know, they're going to have tempo. They're going to play with tempo. Um. But who's going to step up and actually cause havoc for Mississippi State on defense? Well, that's a few, a few candidates for that. The first guy I was going to bring up later in my keys, but I can bring it up now, Jet Johnson, that linebacker. Um, lunch pill type of kid, you know, plays again the right way. Uh, very sure tackler. Um, heady, heady player. Very, very heady player. But he's currently leading the team, with, I believe, 20, tap, 20, yeah, 20 tackles in two games so far. The guy just makes tackles, and he's actually a pretty good athlete, too. He took over that starting job last season after an injury and just never let it go. Uh, he's going to be a big part on defense. Also, Jalen Green, who's a um, University of Texas transfer at safety, he's kind of like that quarterback of the defense. Uh, he's going to be important as well. Just, you know, you know, like I said, just being, you know, making tackles, helping in the passing game, getting past deflections, um, just, just being a ball hawk back there. Um, there are other keys, you know, key players, particularly Emmanuel Forbes. Um, um, I don't know if they're gonna have him matched up against Booty um, the whole game, you know, like 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 following him. But whenever they are matched up together, I'm interested to see how that's gonna play out. Forbes is a guy who has NFL aspirations. Um, he does have it, you know. He he has. I don't know what his grade is, but I, I would assume, you know, a day two grade. Um, but you know. Very good corner, very good ball skills. Like, um, whenever you know, whenever the ball is in his vicinity, I actually expect him to come down with the ball more times than not. Very good ball skills. Um, so defensively, that's going to be the key. Um, just just the playmakers on the back end. Obviously, on on the um, the defensive line, you know, you gotta you gotta get pressure. Um, Nathan Pickering, Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis returning from injury actually missed all of last season. Uh, that was a big injury for them last year. Um, and then my favorite guy on defense is Tyrus Wheat. Um, guys like 6'2", 265, 
runs very well, you know, great, um, a great blitzer. He's a linebacker, but he, you know, a, a lot of times he's rushing the passer off the edge. Um, they move him around a lot, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they utilize him in this game. Um, yeah, like defensively, it's going to be a collaborative effort, but my main keys is just making good tackles, especially with Jaden Daniels, um, you know, scrambling ability and being able to, you know, break tackles and create, I mean, create a 15-yard game from a five-yard loss. So that's where a guy like Jet Johnson should come in, you know, where if he escapes that initial uh, pass rush, a guy like Jet Johnson can clean it up and get that sure tackle. Um, Jaden Green on the back end as well. Um, so, yeah, defensively, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Okay. Well, because the reason why is, you know, Emmanuel Forbes, like you're talking about, you know, is going to be in the NFL. He's probably going to, like you said, day two pick. I think you have to match him up against Kayshawn. I See, I'm going to stop you there. I don't think you have to, like, you, you don't have to follow him around because um, even though Cameron Richardson is only, you know, this is his, his, his first year as a starter, he's uh, shown to be a very solid cover corner on the other side. So, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily follow Kayshawn unless Cam, uh, D-Cam is getting torched on the other side. Okay. And what about a receiver? Any playmakers to look out for for Mississippi State this week? Well, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So, the, the biggest name is probably Rara Thomas. Uh, he's, um, I think he's a junior, junior sophomore. Um, anyway, a uh, from Alabama, this is his, his first real year starting, so, I think, so that's why I'm kind of confused on this class. I don't remember he played last year, but I think he's a sophomore. Anyway, uh, he's the guy who's kind of stepping in for Makai Polk. Uh, Makai Polk last season caught caught over over 100 balls last season, so he's you know one of the guys stepping up in that department. You know, he's very very good, very consistent, very consistent, pretty good after the catch. The X factor. However, is Caleb Ducking, 6'5", 200-pound uh, uh, receiver, very good speed, currently has three touchdowns on the season on 10 receptions. He's going to be the X Factor. Uh, he's a guy who can, you know, go up with those jump balls and make big plays. The guy who I'm looking forward to the most, though, is Tulu Griffin. They have to give him the ball, whether it's running, you know, those those tunnel screens or trying to, trying to take the top off, off the defense. He's a guy who... In my opinion, in my unbiased opinion, is probably the best kick returner in the country. Um, so you know he's very elected with the ball in his hands. So those three guys are the guys who I'm looking for. You know the most is Rod Thomas, Kate Abducting, and Tulu Griffin. Okay. Now, Run, I'm gonna ask you this question. After hearing that, how is LSU gonna defend? You know those weapons from Mississippi State. Brad instigate. <laughs> um. Those weapons? You ever heard any of those weapons before Train just mentioned them? Well, in defense, though, in the Mike Leach array offense, you know, every year there's going to be guys who's going to put up big numbers who you've never heard of. No, just, I, just, no I, I completely agree. Brad's just trying to instigate. But yeah. like I said, it just comes down to, like I said, being able to get pressure with that front four. And we already suspect a linebacker, so they got to cover a bunch of crossing routes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. A lot of crossing routes, a lot of comeback routes, a lot of dump downs to the running backs. Um, you know, that's a big part of the offense as well in the passing game. Right. Um, the leading receiver, as far as reception goes, is a, a running back this season with, with uh, 12 receptions. Um, so so that's going to be a big part. Uh, one of my keys offensively for Mississippi State, though, is obviously Will Rogers, at quarterback. So far this season, 763 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. One of those was on a drop pass that just fell into the defender's lap. Uh, very, very solid, very consistent. You know, just he just does what he's supposed to do. Um, last season he had a monster year. This year he's hoping to do even better. Like, you know, uh, <clears throat> will he get to forty five hundred or five thousand passing yards? Is really the only question. You know, about him if, if he stays healthy. That is, um, very, very um, good quarterback who fits the system perfectly. You know, I don't know what his NFL aspirations are. I don't know if he has the size or the arm strength to play in the NFL. But in, on the college level, um, especially in this offense, he's a very good quarterback. And quite frankly, probably should have been first team – well, excuse me, second team all SEC last year. I'm going to say they got the Heisman winner there. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think they yeah. passed him up. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but that's, you know, that's, that's a big thing. And then also um, my uh, – so I do have two big keys, though, in the game. 
One is obviously the offensive line, as Ron mentioned. If LSU can get pressure with three to four guys, that's going to create a ton of problems for Mississippi State. Um, the right side of the line for Mississippi State has been kind of an issue so far in, in, in the early goings of the season. So, you know, that has to get addressed. Uh, on the left side, you're replacing Charles Cross with the first-round draft pick, uh, top 10 draft pick. Big shoes to fill. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they moved the the right guard from last season, Quatavius uh, Johnson, to left tackle. He's a, a tackle by trade, so it's not as big of an adjustment as it sounds. Really good feet, pretty big kid. Slimmed down from, like, 370 to about 320. Uh, he's looking pretty good so far this season, so um, – I'm excited about him. We'll see how he, how he transitions, continue to transition uh, as the talent, I mean, as the competition steps up. Uh, but offensively, my biggest key, honestly, the run game, Mississippi State run game. <laughs> yeah, ironically. <laughs> um, last season, they only averaged about 60 yards uh, per game rushing. This season, they're averaging 100 yards a game rushing. Um, Dylan Johnson is averaging five yards per carry. To, um Quavius Marks, a.k.a. Woody, is averaging uh, 4.5 yards a carry. So if they could, you know, like basically when, when they have the advantage in the box and they, you know, um, don't be afraid to run the football because you have to be, uh, one, willing, and two, able to run the football to really be successful in this offense. Uh, Are you last, familiar who your head coach is? Yes, and that's what I was <laughs> going to get to. Last season, um, in the early parts of the season, the offense did struggle, particularly in the red zone. But it wasn't until the middle of the year where the team started showing a willingness to run the ball in the red zone that the red zone offense really took off. And that's going to be an important part, you know, because, you know, LSU is going to show, you know, four guys in the box at times. You have to take advantage of that. You can't just sit back and just dink and dunk three-yard passes here. You know, you got to take those four- or five-yard runs when, when they're given to you. Yeah, I, complete, I completely agree with that. But will the Mad Pirate do it? We don't know. Yeah, well, the one good thing about his offense that I will say, um, that's typically on the quarterback to make that call. So, you know, that's going to be important for Will Rogers to recognize that and make the correct adjustments at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Am I ready to run this RPO? Yeah, let's do the RPO here. All right, you know how the RPO works. You know, I got a couple topics. If, if you if you want to run with it, we run with it. If not, we'll just pass it. Let's do it. All let's right. go. First topic of the day. Um, ADs express preference to keep the FBS under the NCAA. Um, I'll run with this for a little bit. I mean, I think it's a good idea for now to keep all you know all NCAA sports under that one like umbrella. Yeah, you know, known as the NCAA. But um, I just I just don't know what the NCAA does anymore. Um, there's just so many, there's so many rules and stuff we we can talk about later, but they just, they just don't do too much anymore. And then with all the money college football is making, uh, it's just a matter of time before football pulls out and becomes its own thing, which I don't necessarily think is a good thing, but it will eventually happen. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll run, like I said, I'll run with this one. Um, the end, like, like run said, the NCAA is just, it's not really needed anymore. Then you have Title Nine, which hurt. like I agree, Title Nine is a great thing. You know, let the girls play all the sports. Awesome, let the girls compete. However, we got schools losing sports because we got to have a girls' water polo team. Because women, women's women's water polo. Oh, women's water polo. <laughs> you know, so because of that. Like Ren said, football's going to leave. And I'm sure once football leaves, men's college basketball will be right behind it. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I agree about the college basketball part, but I do think with, with, with uh, the FBS, you know, because currently as, as constructed now, you know, the college football playoff is not under the NCAA umbrella. That's actually a FBS thing. Right. So, um, so they, they already got a foot out the door as is when it comes to that. So. <laughs> You know, college football has shown they don't need the NCAA anymore. Yeah. I mean, EA. Exactly. EA is doing everything they can to jump around the NCAA to create a football game next year. Exactly. So, like Brent said, what is the point of the NCAA anymore? Yeah, I agree. Mm. All right. Excuse me. 
So uh, next topic here, the NCAA tells schools to remove recent transfer portal entries. Um, uh, transfer portal is so watered down these days. I, I'm a pass on this one. Right. I mean, uh, King. Uh, I'll run really, really quickly. The transfer portal is chaos. It's a great idea. Horrible, horrible the way it's being used. I mean, just the other day I had a conversation with Run, and I'm sure I've had this conversation with you, A-Train. We'll have a year where we have 200-plus quarterbacks in a transfer portal. Where are all these guys coming from? We don't even have that many, you know, job yeah. quarterbacking jobs. Like it, 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 it makes – and I get it. You have kids who go to Bama and decide to leave – Okay, maybe that makes sense. But then we've got guys who are like, well, I played for Idaho, and I threw for 2,000 yards. I want to see if I can go somewhere else. No. Yeah. Or your time. It's just silly. Yeah. And and then just to clarify on the ruling, basically there was a a ruling made um, on August 31st. um, There was a ruling made. They voted to approve a 60-day, basically, window throughout the year where – Athletes get on the transfer portal, and those changes went went into effect immediately. So basically, what's going to happen is football players will be allowed to enter the portal for forty five days, beginning the day after the college football playoff field is announced. So you got forty five days after that point, and then also between May first and May fifteenth, you have fifteen days to enter. Uh, the rest of the year, you cannot enter the transfer portal. And yeah. I like it. I like the window. You know, <laughs> at the end of your college, at the end of the college semester. If you want to transfer, no problem. Fill out your paperwork. Go. However, I mean, honestly, kids, if you sign to Clemson, you know, if you're a great player, and I'm a coach, let's say, at North Carolina, okay, we'll bring you in. But if you're a freshman and you immediately, oh, no, I'm on the bench, I'm leaving, as a coach, I'm going to look at it and say, so as soon as you face adversity, you run away? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a way to look at it. Uh, but so I do want to uh, add one little note before moving on, though. So this is from from, from ESPN. According to a spokesperson, if a head coach is fired midseason, student athletes on that team will happen in an immediate thirty day period during which which they can enter the portal, regardless of the, of the sports transfer window. So there is a little loophole. If your coach gets fired, you have thirty days to where you can enter. So then the uh, rule, we call it the frost ruling. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna love that. Scott Frost needs Scott Frost needs some some good to come out of this. Yeah, I guess you know the Frost rule. You know we can call yeah. it that. Yeah. All right. So the next one, um, <laughs> Saban goes on a rant about a soon quality of opponent. <laughs> I mean, this this is, this is a big pass for me. Saban's <laughs> always ranting about yeah. something. So <laughs> save would be yeah. throw it. I'll let that roll. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you know, uh, every year, another rant, you know. Uh, all right, finally. A water bottle one time. What's that? I'm pretty sure Saban ranted about having a Coke on his uh, podium after a press conference. He probably did, honestly. It's been so many rants, I've lost track now. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, uh, finally, um, this last topic is not really football related, but it is uh, in the competition realm. Um, okay, uh, upset chess victory marred by accusation of cheating with sex toy. And I, I got more details if you need them. Oh, oh, oh we running with this because right. <laughs> I need all the information. All right, so basically, a teen's uh, upset chess championship victory has been marred by accusation of cheating with the winner reportedly using a vibrating sex toy to help signal the correct moves against the world champion, according to rumors circulating online. Um, the theory uh, basically states that, um, well, let me, let me write in the back real quick. So Hans Neiman of San Francisco defeated Norwegian Grandmaster Magnus Carlsen in a, in a major upset. So there is speculation that Neiman has used wireless anal beads or a prostate massager to, to get vibrations from a computer that's linked to the chessboard to give them keys as far as what the, the best moves would be. Um, Neiman has denied all allegations, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, when this was first uh, brought up, I, I had to do some research into it. I just had to know more details on this situation. Apparently, Neiman's been caught cheating before. Yes, I had that, yeah. And he, he, he admitted to it, and he had even said as mo- so much as this time that, I mean, he, he's, he's not denying he'd been caught cheating before. Um, apparently, this is like the whole vibrating anal beads thing is a running joke in the chess community. Okay. But uh, people have been known to do it also. Yeah. This this story is crazy, and it got so big, Elon Musk was tweeting about it. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say, King? That's the only reason why. This this is nuts. (laughs) I don't... This is like one of those things... It's like the people who cheat during the, the National Spelling Bee Right, they will go through extreme. It's like, look, I get it, but at least with chess, it no disrespect to the kids who compete in national spelling bee. But I mean, come on, man, it's chess. They (laughs) they, chess has a long history of having cheaters, yes, it does. I I just, I I mean, what are the consequences if you lose a chess game? You you know, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I thought that was interesting, so I thought we'd bring it up. Uh, all right, so we're going to move on to our pick'ems. Pick'ems. All right, so to recap last week, we're going to keep track of other standings. So far, I'm four and two. Um, these two jabronis are three and three. Oh. I'm, I'm playing the rest of this season under protest. <laughs> we should not have to pick the Houston-Texas Tech game because nobody cared about it. This is true, but I had to find a game. I had to find a game. <laughs> you know. Oh, wait till you see the know, pick this week. Yeah, what I'm gonna start calling is it's the six pack pick of the week. You know, Ooh, I like the six pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah, likes likes a good, nice, cold six pack. Haven't had a six pack in a long time. You know, it's been a while since my my college years, but you know, I mean, body wise, but yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the first game we're gonna go over here is uh, Florida State and Louisville. It's actually a Friday night game. Um. Um, let's see, uh, Louisville. I mean, Florida State is actually a two and a half point favorite at Louisville. Any thoughts? Uh, I mean, any predictions? What do you think? Um, I actually think this is going to be an entertaining game. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it on tonight. Um, uh, what's what's Louisville's quarterback? Is it Malik Cunningham? Something? Or I might have just messed that kid's name up. <laughs> He's a really good athlete. Um. But I I have uh, I actually got Florida State winning. Uh, I think they're going to start three and zero for the first time since two thousand fifteen. Okay. What do you say, Ryan? I mean, uh, King. Oh, no, I, I'm definitely going to jinx Florida State here and say, no, nah, they're they're winning this game. I I, I think Florida State wins this three and zero. All right. Um, that, that makes it a sweep. I'm also going Florida State. I think uh, Jordan Travis so far has played pretty well. I think. Um, um, Norvell's done a good job of you know putting him in a in a position to, to uh, succeed. You know that that's going to continue, and I got um, FSU winning the game. Now you remember the last time we all picked the same? Yeah. Um, hey, that yeah. One. Anybody listening to this, run run to your bookie and put all your money on Louisville. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be smart. That'd be a smart thing to do. Alabama definitely did not cover that spread. We uh, they won. Hey. That's why we're doing pickles. We're not betting against the spread. Exactly. True. Exactly. All right. Next game. Penn State. Number 22, Penn State at Auburn. Um, Penn State is a three-point favorite. Okay. I'll start this one off. I am going to disrespect both of these <laughs> fan bases and teams. These are the full brothers of both of these conferences. You know, but they're like the little brothers, the, the youngest brother in, in the family. Because in the Big Ten, you have Ohio State, Michigan, Ballin. I think you got Penn State just hanging around there. As hey, team. guys. <laughs> um, and Auburn is just, I mean, Auburn believes themselves to be a much bigger program. But, you know, Auburn's, Auburn's just, the only reason Auburn, Nebraska, or Colorado is because they're in the SEC. Yeah. You know, now, with all that being said, because I can't name a player from either team, I'll take Auburn. 
solely because they have SEC, and I don't think they play <laughs> football above the Mason. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wise man once said. Oh yeah, very wise man. And uh, as, as for my take, I'd I'd usually take the SEC in this situation, but Auburn is bad. Oh, they <laughs> they're are. bad at football, so I'm going with Penn State. They're yeah, bad. I'm kind of uh, riding with, with um big run on this one. Um, Auburn is just bad at football. Like they're just not very good. Um, Penn State, you know, they're undefeated so far, two and zero. They did struggle against Purdue, but Purdue was actually pretty good last year. Uh, and then did you just hear what you said? Yeah. Well, Purdue was nine four last year. This so, is true. Yeah. Hey, Wake Wake Forest won ten games. Hey, Wake Forest is good though. I give them that. They're actually pretty good right now. Uh, but this is gonna be. I mean, I don't want to disrespect the kid at all. I really, really don't. But Auburn, if 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 TJ Finley is starting, go on Penn State. <laughs> Bro, I know. Like, I'm not changing my pick, but I know I should be picking off. I just. <laughs> Pick Penn State. I just, oh, yeah, no disrespect to the kid. I'm sure the kid's a great guy. And honestly, you know, like the kid has the physical tools, he just has not put it together yet. Well, he's got the physical tools to play tight end, not quarterback. That's what I'm gonna say. He's just not meant to be a quarterback. And once again, like you said, you're not criticizing the actual person, you're criticizing the football player. Yeah, and as a quarterback, the son is it you? You know, don't go territory. Yeah, it's just. Quarterback is just not your position. It happens. Yeah. All right. Moving on to number 12, BYU at number 25, Oregon. Oregon is actually a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It is in Eugene. Tough place to play. Oh, yeah. The zoo. Uh, Oregon actually has, the I think, the third longest home winning streak mm. and the second home longest winning streak against non-conference opponents. Okay, that's that's behind Alabama on that one. Um, yeah. I just think Oregon has to have the better talent, right? You would think, yeah. I they, think BYU is the better team, but I'm gonna go with Oregon. Right. Okay, because it's in Eugene, I just think the crowd noise. I think the zoo is going to be crazy. The duck. Is won't be on the field, won't be running on the field, <laughs> but it, and that's it. That's an that's an incentive for all the fans listening. Trust me, as soon as college football comes around, or the Xbox series and the PS5, y'all get to see those exploits. But <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I just expect, I expect BYU to compete, like, I really think it's going to be a football game. I just think fans in Eugene are going to push Oregon just ever so slightly over the top. I'm going Oregon in a very close game, though. All right. Um, that's, that's a very interesting stat about their home field streak. I didn't know that. Um, didn't bother to look it up, honestly. But but Eugene has been a very tough place to play. The, the crowd, like, sits on top of the field almost. Yes, yes so, they do. Yeah, so it's very tough. Uh, all that being said, I'm going BYU, though. You think they overcome it? Yeah, I think they're you know uh, they're gonna get uh, get get pressure on Bo Nix, and we saw what pressure does to Bo Nix in the SEC. And I think you know BYU is gonna do enough to pull it off. All right. Uh, moving on, Michigan State at Washington. Uh, okay, so this is my Houston of Texas well, Tech in well, Texas Tech this week. Well, well, let me add 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 something. Number eleven, Michigan State. At Washington, oh. Washington oh, okay. actually a three-point favorite. Once again, this is my Houston Texas Tech uh, game this week. <laughs> I could not care less. Um, can't name a player from e- either team. I understand Michigan State's ranked number eleven in the country. Don't know why. Yeah, guys. And then they're and then they're dogs to Washington. Uh, so with that said, I'm gonna go with Michigan State because they're ranked. No other reason. Sounds okay. good. I, I will say this. The last two players I remember from Michigan State, I remember Kenneth Walker from last season, very talented running The next kid is when they played Alabama in the playoffs, and I believe Derrick Henry ended Salik Cohen's <laughs> NFL dream. 
with that stiff arm. Yeah, he put that man in the coffin. Yeah, he did. You know, that kid was, you know, big, strong kid just threw him to the ground. Oh, I mean, we should have, I guess we should have known how devastating his stiff arm is, but that's a whole separate thing. I mean, Michigan State, like Ron said, I, I can't name a player. Um, Washington has not been very good, in my opinion. Like, they're okay. They're not a bad football team by any. Yeah, you know, well, when I say bad, you know, I mean, like, it's crazy to me. They're probably better than Auburn. No, not that much. Not that much. <laughs> so, watch Auburn go like 11 1 this season. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, look, I'll take a pick, and the only way I can catch up is if I take some chances. I'm going Washington. Yeah. The big the, the Pac twelve is gonna win some football games today. Mm. Mm. Um, so I'm kind of with y'all on the fact that I don't know much about either of these teams. You know, no. I did a, I did a, a little bit of research. You know, um, Michigan State is ranked number eleven. I know um, Jalen Berger is actually a pretty good running back, though. I do know that. But, um, hmm. Pretty good. Player. That name actually sounds familiar. Yeah, he, yeah, he's pretty good. Um. I'm going to go with Michigan State, though. Um, similar reason to run. You know, they've been ranked. Uh, also, Washington last year, I know they went 4-8. and eight, So, I mean, granted. But before that, though, they had some uh, some uh, good years under Peterson. So, but, yeah. I, honestly, I, I was actually just about to ask it. Do you know who Washington's coach is? I can look it up. Let's see. Yeah. I was just wondering. I mean, I know it's not Peterson anymore, but. Hmm. Wait, what happened to Peterson? Got fired? Oh no, no. He um did he take a leave? Or did he retire? I, I thought he I, uh I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. remember. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't remember. I think he retired. Either way, um yeah. Husky's head coach, um Jimmy Lake. Okay. All right, on to the next game. Um yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hold on. Never mind, they got a new coach. Uh, Caleb DeBoer. This is sad. I might have to cut this. This is sad. (laughs) Yeah, you might have to cut this. My bad. Should have brought that up. (laughs) No, I'm leaving then. Forget it. Whatever. Uh, We got – but, yeah, uh, I'm going to miss your state, though, just for the fact that, yeah, whatever. Anyway, next game. Miami and and, uh, A&M. Miami's number 13, A&M number 24. Texas A&M is actually a six-point favorite. Um, yeah, we gave our thoughts about this game earlier, so <clears throat> I just uh, I'm gonna keep it simple. A and M continues to struggle. I think the Canes come out with the victory. Okay. All right, all right. Um, I'm taking Miami because I think Miami's back. I think they're the real deal. I think Florida State, Miami are gonna are gonna have a good clash this season. Miami's gonna win. Okay. Definitely on a missed field goal, wide right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> more than likely, yeah. Lose that game, but it yeah. will. More than likely. Um, yeah, I have Miami also. I think Tyler Van Dyke's going to have a big game. Um, and just A&M, um, the question is just how they're going to respond to last week. I don't, if anything, that's the most interesting thing to me, is just how they're going to respond. You know, will they be competitive or will they just lay down? I think they'll be competitive. I think they're going to have a chance to win the game, but I think Miami's going to pull it out. My only question is, man, you can't get you can't get them off the field. I mean, mm. you're not causing turnovers. You're not getting tackles for loss. You're not getting sacks. Yeah, a lot has to change with that defense this week. Right. Yeah. I just can't pick them. Yeah, and then the last game we're going to cover is uh, talked about it earlier at length as well. Mississippi State versus LSU. Mississippi State is actually a two and a half point favorite. Let Brad, uh, excuse me, King, open with oh, this one. Okay. I will say we gave our thoughts. LSU versus Mississippi State. Where is this game being played? At Tiger Stadium. Death Valley, sir. Okay. The real Death Valley. Death Valley. Okay. Nope, though. Last game at Death Valley, um, KJ Costello threw for over 600 yards. Throwing it out there. That was during COVID, and we all thought <laughs> – and unfortunately, for that you a lot of people didn't play, but that's not how it, you know it works. No ifs. Um, you know what? I think this Saturday, 
I think Tayshawn shows up and shows everyone in the nation why he's not. And I think BJ on the defensive side is going to let the SEC know why he's wearing 18. I'm picking LSU to win this game. Okay. Who you got, uh, Ron? <clears throat> well, um, I don't think you have to ask that question, but Mississippi State for it is. All right. So uh, my pick. What... <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I did have to ask was when was the last time uh, LSU was a home dog to the dogs? Oh, that... 1990. Oh, you looked that up. Well, I don't know if it's at home, but I think it's like one of the last time there was a – no, no, I'm sorry. I'm not explaining. 2000, I'm sorry. 2000, 22 years ago. Who was on that team? And Was that the last time we were a dog overall to them? Or I want to say time? overall. I want to say overall. Whew. Which is crazy because Mississippi State had a better team in 14, but they wouldn't be yeah. a better team in 15. Yeah, I think, I think we played so early in 14. Yeah. That you know, people didn't obviously people didn't realize how good Mississippi State was, and LSU was a little overrated that year. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, like I said, I think it's a very telling sign that we're home dogs for the first time in 22 years. Um, I could be off on that, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. I mean, I would assume I, when yeah. you said 1990, I believe that one. So yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I said 22 years, and for some reason, my mind went to 1990 instead of 2000. Because <laughs> we old. <laughs> Um, yeah, we all, yeah. <laughs> but I'm a homer all the way, so go Tigers. All right. Well, I got Mississippi State, no surprise there. I, and honestly, it's a homer pick, yes. But I also do feel that they are a better team right now um, because I feel that right now LSU is still, still trying to figure things out with Brian Kelly. So this is like the perfect time to play them. Yeah. Uh, if this was later in the year, my opinion might be different on it. So I do, you know, that's that's kind of like where I'm, uh, why I'm leaning the way I'm leaning. That and I'm a homer. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This if we keep this going. This is gonna have to be our, our homecoming week e- each year. We gotta oh. get Brad a team to cheer for. But this is this is gonna be mine and your homecoming week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that. We do that special show every year. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So that so that's it for the pickums, you know. So uh, I'm gonna go six and zero on that one, and we'll figure out what. Where the rest of these guys are gonna go. Uh, oh, I'll be honest. I see two losses already, and one of them starts with Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm picking Auburn. I know the fans are probably like, "Why is this guy picking Auburn?" But I'm picking Auburn because I really believe. After last week, I think we're gonna have, for some reason, some team is gonna walk into this week saying, "No way, that's gonna be us," and they're gonna sleepwalk. And I think, I just think Pitt State's the team to do it. All right. All right. Fair enough. <clears throat> and the last thing we're going to talk about briefly, though, is the NIL. You know, there was like a, a senator who basically uh, proposed a bill to curtail the NIL's recruiting influence. Basically, he wants to, quote unquote, preserve the unique amateur nature of college sports. So basically, he, he doesn't want the NIL to be used as a recruiting tool, which is good, you know. Um, and but he also wants to like keep them as amateurs. Um, I'll just say this. Yeah. So what are y'all thoughts on that? I'll just say on, this. On NIL as a whole. I do look. I coach Pee Wee. Coach my nephew. Um, we got parents who are already banking on their kids NIL, and one of them, I, you know, I kind of get why, but. I mean, if it's already at the Pee Wee Junior High level where parents are like, no, my son can play. He's going to get paid. I want a house out of this. I think you have to do something. So, you know, guys aren't just bought. You know, you're signing free agent deals to go to a school. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is and how it is in Texas, but I actually know in Louisiana it's legal for a high school student to sign an NIL deal. Yeah, yeah. They only have to get to the college level in Louisiana. They can do it in high school, and that's and that's one of the big things. Like they need to change. Um, this this has been about with the transfer portal. It's been the wild, wild west. Like anything goes. It's not being regulated. Yeah, it's just been wide open. The lack of power NCAA. Yeah, and then when you combine the NIL in the transfer portal, it's just. It's mayhem. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the thing. But like I said, different different states have different laws regarding this. Yeah. So yeah. there needs to be a national or federal, you know, guideline 
that these schools had to follow because they have schools operating under different rules, also, which is creating unfair advantages and disadvantages when it well, comes to recruiting. I'll give Agreed. In the state of Texas, you know, to to just be eligible to be a person to give out an NIL deal, you just have to take a quick five to ten minute course. And yeah. You just take an online wow. and now you're eligible to be NIL sponsor? It, yeah, see, see, so I wonder how that's going to work. Cause I, I, I know this is, like I said, to try to curtail uh, curtail like uh, boosters from being able to give out NIL deals. But, but I mean, what keeps their kids or their wife or their husband from taking, like I said, that five minute test? And then, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not a booster. My husband's the booster. Right. You know, so, yeah. I think yeah. it's I, I I just think it's outrageous. It's I, I like the idea that these kids, if you're Bryce Young, you can be in the Heisman house. Great. However, if you just signed a scholarship to go play UT, why are you getting fifty thousand dollars? Yeah, like it's a like I said, it's a um, you know, it's a fine line, you know, like. I do think that I've always said this, you know, privately, like as far as athletes get, cardio athletes getting paid, you know, it's a controversial topic. It is what it is. Um, I don't have a problem with them getting paid at all. I, I, I never did, you know, more, but more than anything, I just want them to be taken care of better. You know, if that meant more scholarship money, which will, you know, because that's the way it works, you know, you get your scholarship money. Uh, after everything's left over, you have your refund check. I, you know, my proposal was basically just increase that number you know, to where they, they, they get a pretty nice, healthy refund, and it's kind of even across the board. Right. Um, like, the thing about the NIL is, in in theory, I love it. You know, I love the idea of, like, if I'm Dak Prescott in Mississippi State, and I'm, you know, just putting Mississippi State on the map, I'm on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I should be compensated. If I'm looking in the, in the stands and I see a bunch of them 15 jerseys, you know, I should get a piece of that. Yes. That's how I kind of envision NIL. Correct. Not this, oh, you come to the school, we'll give you this uh, sponsorship with uh, Luke well, Bagels, uh, well, whatever. We've got kids out here in Texas, I am based in Houston. We've got dealerships who are like, yeah, you signed a UT. We'll right. Karate. It's like, well, Qu- Quinn Ewers got a, uh, Aston Martin. Yeah, he's not the, like, it's a lot of kids getting a lot of things. No disrespect for years. What have done to earn it? Exactly. Like, so, like it's a lot less than the $1.4 million dollars he got from Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, Good investment. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing, and I will say this, and I know some people are not going to like it. When it comes in terms to NIL from high school players, what have you done that thousands aren't doing like yes Quentin Ewers might be a great talent okay we think that in high school he's a five star cool but for those three and four stars who are still trying to get deals get you know the guys who are flipping to UT that are linemen you're a 6'3 lineman just 6'4 that's not special unique like why and also, I guess my question is, how much money would are teams willing to give out as far as the boosters go? A and M says about forty million dollars. Yeah. Now, how many times are they going to do that, losing? To- <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. Or- yeah. Eventually, they're going to have to uh, dial that back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a, it's a sad state. I mean, like I said, like I like the the NIL in theory, like the idea of a player being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness is it's amazing. But right now, it's used. It's used as pay for play. Right. Um, that's, not, that's the issue not, that I have. Yeah, it, it has to be regulated. Ninety-five percent of these have never even been a commercial. Yeah, but, like you said, you're not profiting off your name, image, and likeness. Yeah, you just get, getting the payday. And again, now l- let me actually um, come from a different angle, though. I admire the athletes. Get your money. You know, if you have a chance to get money, get of course. Paid. Oh, Take absolutely. Get your yeah. money. You know, I don't. You know, it don't don't turn down. You know, don't don't turn down 
five hundred thousand dollars because you feel that you know it's morally wrong. Like, no, take your no, money, you get should... your money while you can. You know, but the system needs to be overhauled. Like, but, I, I don't know what the solutions are, but right now it's not working. The, the, the catch is this, and I will say it's going to eventually happen to these players. The Quinn Ewers, though, he got away with essentially robbing Ohio State. You know, he went to Ohio State, got picked, and then left. Okay. How many times do you think kids are going to be able to do that? Yeah. Like, deals, and you like, I get to leave whenever I choose. It's going to come to a point where, you know, um, you have contracts saying, okay, well, if you stay here for three years, you know, or something like that. And also, though, like, another another thing that's going on as well is you have these schools, because I know, Mississippi State is doing it um, more so for baseball, but they're doing it for like other sports as well. They have these collectives where basically, you know, you know, the alumni, the boosters, they put in money in the pot, and basically, every season, if you sign with this school, if you're a player, you basically sign, you sign away your NIL, like, like you sign away something. I don't know exactly how it goes, but um, the whole point is basically like when you sign this. Um, this collective handles your, your, your NILs. Like, so they're like over your NILs, but they're paying you though. And so a, a lot of schools are doing that now to where basically it's just, it's, it's under one school umbrella. And if you sign there, you get like, hey, you sign here, you get $20,000. You sign yeah, here, you get $20,000. And so at that I know point, you, it's going to be. USC said for, they're going to get their kids all $50,000. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was going to say. So at that point, it's going to be a case of like, well, this collective says if I sign here, I'm going to get 20000 but I can go get 50000 um, um one state over, you know, like it's yeah, it's just right now it's just all over the place, and there need to be some regulation and some. Which I mean, I, I don't know how you regulate it because you know this has been going on, you know, like paying players has been going on since. It was like, just way ahead of their time. I think yeah, the biggest thing now, to help clean this up, at least in my opinion, and we'll get to when it comes to this time of the year, but it's men's college basketball. I, I think that's gonna because. At least in my opinion, men's college basketball is probably the dirtiest sport. Oh, yeah. It has been oh, for the longest. With a like, million percent. Uh, the AAU influences, you know, um, it's been pretty bad. So, I think with NIL, because the NBA now, you know, they might not. I mean, the NBA is giving these kids so much money, it's crazy. You know, but if you're Zion, coming out of high school, with if NIL was a thing, how much money would he be getting? Yeah. 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 Get the bag. And then the other, but then, you know, th- these kids are going to sign shoe deals because I was just waiting to sign his shoe deal. You know, when LeBron's son, if he plays college ball, which I assume he will. Cause I, don't yeah, think, I think he will. You know, he's going to be a huge NIL target. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's the peace son got a bunch of money. I remember. Yeah. Like some small school in Tennessee. Yeah, he went to Tennessee State, I think. Yeah, he got a pretty big NIO deal. Lil Romeo? No. No, <laughs> no, not that one. But it, it's, it's interesting. And and we could definitely really take a real deep dive into NIO. Yeah, we could, we could have a whole podcast. Yeah, we got a whole episode. Just NIO. Special edition, uh, round, uh, round table discussion. Yeah. Right. And NIO and the transfer portal easily could be an episode. So what the, we have to. Uh, Circle back to that. Yeah. So, any thoughts? Final thoughts. Oh, that's about it. I, mean, I think we wrapped it up. Okay. Yep. All right. So that about does it for another episode of IT the podcast. Um, you know, we got we got a big week of games coming up. Not really, but we got some interesting games at least. Um, uh, and we'll see if this week was as wild as last week as far as upsets. And but um, but yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. Um, your host A Train for King and Run. We go. All right. Yeah, we'll Deuces. Go.